Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It is still 93 degrees, steamy degrees here at 708 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock along with studio coordinator Jonathan Lowe. Uh, really interesting stuff here for the next couple hours of the show. Uh, we are going to be talking with Gary Glass, who's the director of the American Home Brewers Association. This has just exploded. People are, are just, you know, starting up, you know, home brewing operations. They're getting serious about it. There's actually a huge convention here next weekend uh, that focuses exactly and specifically on home brewing. And then in the uh, bottom of the hour, we're going to chat with a woman who I, I've known for a number of years, Cheryl Hill, lost her 16-year-old son, Tyler, uh, more than 10 years ago. Uh, he was on a trip to Japan. He was only 16 years old. Uh, it was a youth group trip. And since then, uh, Cheryl Hill has devoted her life to really talking about travel safety, what you need to know, what kids should know, what parents should know. And she's founded a new website, and it's got all kinds of information on it, uh, what you should know, the checklist. She's even got a test for you that you can download. It's really informative stuff. I mean, in this day and age, more and more kids especially are, are going away, spending that semester abroad, which is so fabulous. You know, when I was back in college, which was, again, a long time ago, a few people did it, but now almost everyone does it. And then also people just travel. And she really has some important information about the kinds of things you need to know. For example, 911 is the number we call if there's an emergency here. Would you know what the number is in the UK or Japan or France or even Jamaica? All of those things are things that you really need to think about. And she's got all of that on, on her website. And I think she's really an important person, especially in this day and age, to talk to. And then at 8 o'clock, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk to Dave Schultz. There is just a plethora of things to talk about with uh, Professor Schultz. Uh, it looks like Jeff Sessions will be testifying before the uh, Senate Intelligence Committee. Uh, there are extraordinary polls out that show this incredible divide amongst Trump supporters and Republicans and Democrats on who they believe, Comey versus Trump. So much going on. And obviously, Dave Schultz with the constitutional law background is absolutely uh, a key person to talk to. But first, let's talk beer. I think we need to talk something fun here. Beer. Uh, let's talk with uh, Gary Glass. He is the director of the American Home Brewers Association. And thousands of home brewers will be gathering at the convention center next weekend for Homebrew Con 2017. Gary, thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Okay. So, Gary, what um, – first of all, tell us about this convention because it sounds like it's going to be – if you're going to go to a convention – why not go to a convention with a lot of other home brewers? Yeah, I mean, there's really nothing else like it. It is the world's largest gathering of home brewers. Uh, we're, we're currently at about 2,400 uh, that are planning on attending. We'll probably push 2,500 before the end of the week. Um, yeah, it's, it, it, there's, there's really nothing else like it uh, in terms of so, so there's still for home brewers. Yeah, no, can no, can no, people no. still register? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we, we have not sold out yet, so uh, you can register uh, via the, the conference website, homebrewcon.org, or register on site. 
So homebrew con is what you're supposed to look up. Let, let me ask you, what is – when I think of a home brewer, I think of somebody who's literally in their basement, you know, brewing beer. Is, is that still the case today or has it gotten a lot more sophisticated? Uh, well, you know, it, it, it varies. Uh, you know, I, I tend to brew uh, out on my back patio, but uh, other people brew in their garage or on their stovetop or in their basement. And in terms of, um, you know, where this has sort of taken off – I mean, how how much bigger is this now than it was maybe even five ten years ago? Well, we we estimate that there are at least one point two million homebrewers in the United States, which is about oh, uh, one in two hundred adults. Um, so it's it's really exploded, and and you know going back uh, ten years or so ago, um, it wouldn't have even been half that. So okay, lots of growth. All right, and let me ask you something. If I wanted to start home brewing in my basement, is there any kind of law, or, or do I have to get a license? I mean, or does it vary, you know, by municipality or by state? Uh, no, it is legal in all fifty states to uh, to brew beer at home, and you do not need a license, or you don't have to pay any taxes. You don't have to register or any anything along those lines. So you're you're free to. To brew it at home, as long as you're not selling it. I, I was going to say, I bet, I bet that changes if you decide to to, to sell your home beer. But it, there's not, there's no restrictions or licensing in terms of if I just want to start brewing my own beer and have people over and serve them my beer. Th- there's nothing that prohibits me from doing that. No. Okay. Um, and in terms of, of the varieties of beer, I, I feel it's well, you know in terms of the brew pubs and breweries. There, there's such a diversity and, and such an explosion of different kinds of beer and different kinds of you know approaches. Is that true with the home brewing scene too? Uh, yes, well, even more so. Uh, the, the reason why there's so many different beers available in the United States today that there's more beer, more better beer selection in terms of different styles in the United States than any other country in the world, and that is uh, a you know, direct reflection on the home brewing community we have. Just, Homebrewers, you know, since they're not selling their beer, are free to experiment. You're making five gallons at a time, so if you if things don't turn out that great, it's perfectly okay. It's not it's not like you've lost a lot of money or anything like that. But that, well, and well, let me let's because that's an interesting point. I mean, because any hobby is going to cost some money. How much? Let's say I want to start up and and brew five gallons. How much would I need? How much is like the basic equipment costs? Uh, you know, is there a sort of an, a beginning line of equipment, or is it going to get pretty expensive and sophisticated? I mean, how much does it cost to just get in at the basic level? Uh, you know, for those, the a five gallon kit, it's probably going to start somewhere around eighty dollars to one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, oh, so not you too can, bad. You can actually start uh, on a much smaller scale. There, there are one gallon kits out there um, that are going to cost you maybe fifty dollars at most. Um, oh, okay. And that's that's a really great way to to get started because you know you you're not going it's not going to take a bunch of space. You can kind of get the the basics down and then decide if that's if, if you want to scale it up from there. Okay. And then how long? I mean, I, 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 and I, this is something that I is completely out of my wheelhouse. How long does it take to actually, you know, from start to finish? You know, to to brew beer is it is it days or or weeks? Uh, well, the the process of brewing itself is is a matter of hours. So, uh, for for beginner brewers that are using extracts, it can take as little as two hours to for the brewing process. Fermentation process does take a little bit more time. So, they're going to probably 
a week and a half, two weeks of fermentation, and then uh, packaging it in bottles, and it's probably going to be another two to three weeks before the beer is ready to serve. So about a month from when you when you brew to uh, when, when you're actually enjoying the beer. Okay. And, and is there, um, you know, are there any sort of storage? I mean, do you need a certain cooler type, you know, a certain temperature, um, you know, refrigerator to store it in or... Uh, well, the, the nice thing about about homebrew and uh, what's what's happened with um, craft beer since then is that ales have become very popular, um, and and ales actually ferment at room temperature. Oh, you okay. Don't, you don't you really don't need any uh, uh, special equipment, and then once you you know bottle the beer, then it can go into a refrigerator. Okay, and let me ask you something: Is there a, you know a lot of home brewing of ciders? Yes. Yeah, I mean, cider has become uh, quite popular, and it's it, it's really actually fairly easy to do as well. Um, actually, easier than making beer if you're starting out with uh, with apple juice. Okay, but, and it, yeah. is, is that something that 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 you, you will focus on at all, or is, that, is this you know at Homebrew Con the convention yeah. next? We we actually do have a we have a talk on cider. We have several talks on on making mead, which is honey wine. Um, the the Twin Cities area is, is actually a kind of a hotbed of, uh, of mead makers, uh, higher concentration of mead makers of the year than any other place in the, in, in the United States. And when, when you say mead, I guess I'm thinking of my, um, oh my gosh, you know, the, the books I read in middle school having to do with the middle ages. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Or it's, it's honey wine. So you're making, essentially mixing, mixing honey with water and, and fermenting it, but you can also add in, uh, whatever kind of fruits or spices that you want, uh, and yeah, and the, the the skill level of the mead makers in the in the the Twin Cities is is hard to match. Really, and is it is it in fact the same thing that was you know you read about in sort of Shakespeare and sort of the olden but days? It, it, essentially, it is. Uh, in fact, mead is probably the the oldest fermented beverage, um, but uh, it's it's also come a long ways, and and the, the process of making it has been modernized quite a bit. Uh, and that's you know, reduced the the fermentation time and the the aging process to where you, you can turn out a, a very good mead in a fairly short period of time. Uh, we're chatting with Gary Glass. He's the director of the American Home Brewers Association, and thousands of home brewers will be gathering at the convention center next week. And it actually starts on Thursday, right, Gary? That's right. Yeah, June fifteenth through the seventeenth. It's called Homebrew Con twenty seventeen, and uh, you can still register. And is the regis- How much is the registration? Uh, well, it's around two hundred and seventy dollars. Okay, and what is? Do you get to sample a lot of beers? <laughs> I would yeah, think so. Yeah, thousands of different beers uh, that are served over the course of the event, uh, both homebrew and uh, commercially made craft beer, uh, as well as meads and ciders. Uh, and But there, there's also an educational aspect to it. So it's not just about drinking. We do, do limit sample sizes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, the, the variety of, of different beers you can taste, there's probably no other place other than Club Night, which takes place Friday night, where we have uh, almost 50 different homebrew clubs from all over the country that are going to be serving their beers. You'll never find a more eclectic selection of, of beers to sample anywhere else in the world. 
But there will also, it sounds like, you know, be classes on how you can become a better home brewer. That's right. Yeah, we have uh, 55 different uh, different seminars um, covering all aspects of you know, the brewing process, uh, beer styles, um, improving your 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 brewing, uh, mead, cider, uh, even other fermentables. Uh, we, we cover it all. And what are some of the other fermentables? Uh, well, we've got uh, I think one on uh, uh, things like uh, kombucha and. Oh, I, I yeah, the um, health food store that's on the Skyway has that. Is that considered alcoholic? Well, it, it actually starts with alcohol in it, and then the the, uh, uh, the, the culture that you use to, to make uh, kombucha sour uh, consumes alcohol and produces acetic acid. Uh, so it actually starts out alcoholic and then reduces the alcohol uh, through the through this, uh, <laughs> I don't want. I don't. I don't want. I don't want to bust anybody. But they were handing out samples in the Skyway, and it was kind of fresh and light and a little sparkly. Um, okay. Well, listen. Um, it, it sounds. It sounds like it's a lot of fun. Um, again, it's the um, Home Brew Con, and it's next Thursday, right? It goes from next Thursday through Sunday, right? Through, through Saturday or through Saturday. Okay. And so, if you look up Home Brew Con, C O N. Uh, you can see how to register, what kinds of, you know, information and classes and, you know, situations you can learn about. Uh, very interesting stuff. Uh, good luck and have a lot of fun here, Gary. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. okay. All right, folks. Sounds very interesting. Yeah, the kombucha, they were, as I said, handing out the little samples. And it was very um, – it, it didn't taste at all alcoholic, although he's saying it starts out alcoholic and then it somehow becomes less alcoholic. I don't know. This is just not – this is not my – area of expertise at all, but it was very good. And then the ciders, I've just had, I'm not a big beer person, but a cider is just, you know, the, the hard ciders, it's so, it gets to be so refreshing. I actually had it over at um, the uh, St. Paul Saints Stadium. They have a little sort of sampler place where they're selling home, you know, Minnesota brewed beers. And I was like, eh, and then they had the ciders and it's just so refreshing and delicious. Let's take a break and I'll, I'll, I'll help to educate you a little bit on cider. Oh, cider. Okay. All right. All right, folks. We're going to take a break. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. It's 726 in the Twin Cities, 92 degrees, uh, still steamy out there. And Jonathan Lowe and I are talking cider. <laughs> and you are a big cider fan. I was just saying how, how much I liked it. Uh, I'm less of a beer person, and I, I just, I've, the few times I've had it, I thought this is so refreshing and so great. Cider's. And and keep in mind, I'm there's two reasons why I went towards ciders as far as sort of your beer substitute. One is because of my gluten issues, my gluten intolerance. That's right. So you so, can't, you really can't have most beers, right? The second reason is even if I could, I, I before I found out I was gluten intolerant, I had you know a little bit of beer and that sort of thing. It does nothing for me. It's it's for, to me it's it's flavorless. And so, especially your your major brands, right? So I like alcohol that's more flavorful, or you know, if yeah. I, or I mix it with something or something of that nature. So when you look at ciders and sort of the growth of those over the last decade, really over the last decade, yeah. Because when when I started drinking them about a decade ago, you had basically a couple that were imported from Great Britain. From Ireland, right. maybe from Germany, you, you didn't have a lot of them that were made over here in the United States. 
But now you've got, I mean, how many of these? Uh, Angry Orchard is everywhere. Uh, One of the ones that I started to drink um, and that was really popular, starting to gain popularity back about a decade ago is uh, the Woodchuck brand. Right. You've got Cider Boys. You've got uh, Crispin. You have um, now a couple of the, of the ones that came over from Britain, Magners and Strongbow. Strongbow has branched out because their original cider, their original recipe is very dry. And that's another thing about ciders. You can have them really dry, more like a champagne. Right. Or you can have them a Which little like. bit fruity yeah. or, or flavorful, like Angry Orchard, like some of these cider boys. And you usually associate ciders with just apples. They have the apple flavor, but there are a lot of them that will do different. A lot of these companies, and Ace is another one that I that I left out, unfortunately. Uh, they'll do a whole bunch of different flavors. They'll do pear. Pear is probably after apple. Pear is the next really? most popular that, that cider. Like that would be so good. Oh yeah, most yeah. of the pear ciders are are right. fantastic. I mean, you know, I was at this this event that the WCCO TV sponsor today, other um, and it was at the uh, banks of the Mississippi River, and it was really hot out. Yes. And we did this poll, and I was just kind of getting like, you know, I was drinking a lot of water or whatever. And there were seeing some beer tents, and you know, people were like, I was grabbing beers, and I was, and as I said, I'm not a big beer person, but it just seemed like it would be so heavy. You know, even if I could have, and even if I wasn't working. I just don't think I would have gone there, but I think if there had been a, like a, a pear cider, that just sounds so like a sparkly. Yeah, cider. that sounds really good. They, you know, they do pear. Um, there, I did not know that there are uh, blackberry, uh, strawberry. You can do. I know. Really, when, when you go when you get into the uh, the fall season, they'll do pumpkin ciders. They will. I mean, I've had sweet, one. Sweet. Uh, raspberry, raspberry, cherry. Uh, basically, if you have a fruit that has a tartness or a sweetness to it, you could probably. And really, I think this could go for any sort of fruit, a citrus fruit as well. Yeah. You can ferment it. It's right. all just about fermenting that that right. flavor and then making it making it into an alcohol. But it, it's it's amazing what they've done and the explosion of these. All of these different companies that are American companies, mind right. you, over the last decade, where all of these different tastes and flavors come out, and all the, and a lot of these local breweries, Loon Juice is a wow, Minnesota. Okay. I'll have to you know, have to look into that and maybe do a segment on on ciders. It sounds really delicious, you know. Hey, it really long, does. As long as I am there, to so we have taste samples. Test. Okay. Just bring me in. I, I, we would have to like flip it to the – oh, no, because you, you leave at 8 o'clock, but okay. Um, fair just, enough. Just let me know the day. I'll stay late. <laughs> I don't care. I'll come in. I'll take off, I'll take off work from my – or take off time from my other job. <laughs> I will say this. I am not a gourmet. I am a glutton. All right. Okay. Very good. Well, okay. Well, that is certainly a sales pitch for all kinds of ciders. Well, then we do have to take a break. I do want to let you know we have much more ahead here on this Saturday night. Uh, coming up after the break and after weather, and we do want to hear the weather um, from my friend, I believe it's Molly Rosenblatt, who was, she was in the river today at Pulling Together. In the river. I posted the picture on my uh, Twitter feed. Coming up uh, in the next half hour, we will visit with Cheryl Hill, who I've known for quite some time. Um, Tragically, her 16-year-old son passed away on a youth trip in Japan. Uh, 
the group knew he was diabetic. He needed medical help. They didn't give it to him, and he passed away. And Cheryl really has devoted her life ever since to getting out information about traveling smart. And she just has this new website out called Depart Smart. And I think it was just last week, Jonathan, that we were sitting here uh, with the reports of that terrorist attack in in London uh, and just – you know, it, where did they hit? They hit a, a tourist attraction, you know, at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night when, you know, people are out, you know, having fun and enjoying themselves. So there's that to worry about. There's, you know, medical issues to worry about. What happens if you get sick? Do you know? Cheryl Hill will argue that you need you should be getting certain kinds of insurance, even though it's quite expensive. Anyway, she's got this website, and she really does have a, an amazing amount of information that you can access free of charge. So we're going to visit with her after this break. But first, um, let's break and get some weather, and then we'll come back with Cheryl Hill. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. It is 7.38 in the Twin Cities. Jonathan Lowe and I still talking cider in the breaks here, but we are going to shift gears here, Esme Murphy, with you until 9 o'clock. Well, I was just chatting with Jonathan. I think I mentioned it on the air just a week ago uh, here on this show. We were taking breaks uh, or taking updates from CBS News every you know 20 minutes about the developing story out of London of a terrorist attack, yet another terrorist attack at a popular tourist destination. And it certainly raises the specter of the problems and, and, and what can happen overseas. I mean, it, it's a scary world out there. There are a lot of other issues that can happen. For instance, what happens if you get sick? All of those issues. Um, my next guest is somebody, as I said, who I've known for quite some time now, she lost her 16-year-old son, Tyler, uh, back a decade ago. Uh, he was on a youth trip. Uh, the trip leaders, uh, it was a trip to Japan, knew that he had diabetes. Uh, he became ill. He asked for help, and they didn't provide it immediately. And tragically, Tyler, who was a standout athlete and a healthy, otherwise healthy young man, uh, passed away. And since then... Cheryl Hill really has devoted her life, um, she and her husband, to getting the word out about what people should know when they travel overseas. And the reason I think this is so important is that I, I think, you know, and Cheryl's got the statistics, so many people are traveling overseas, so many young people, so many students are traveling overseas. Uh, the numbers grow every year. And Cheryl Hill has just unveiled a new website called Depart Smart that has all this information, a quiz, down, you can have downloads of pamphlets and all these things that, that you, know, you can either do for your family if you're traveling, if a loved one is traveling. And it really has enormous insight for, for everyone. So, Cheryl, thank you so much for coming to the program. I appreciate it. I appreciate you asking me. Thanks. Okay, well, absolutely. And I had you on uh, you know, WCCO-TV on our Sunday morning show. Uh, to give you a plug, is I, do, I really do think this is so important and, you know, it sounds like you're getting a lot of downloads and people wanting to know, you know, what should they know? Oh, you've been a great um, champion for us. We had uh, the St. Cloud State University Confucius Institute call us and say that they love the idea of a standardized safe travel. We, we, we like to call them travel heroes who can identify and avoid risk at help and home. Most people don't know how and mostly because 
the travel and tourism industry of, you know, airline transfers is really only my generation old. Right. Policy just hasn't kept pace. Um, and, and, you know, you've got, I mean, there's some amazing numbers of how many people travel overseas and how many people travel alone and how many kids travel. And kids, I mean, I'm talking about mostly college-age kids, but some younger, some a little older. Well, actually, students as young as um, elementary and middle school are now being encouraged into these abroad programs. And I'm a host mom of eight kids for 12 years, so I know how transformative that can be. At the same time, when Tyler died, I the hardest moment of my life, I look back and I think, why didn't anyone tell me? And we published TylerHill.org to try, try to warn others. And his story kept repeating again and again. And it's really a simple top 10 questions of that we've learned over 10 years that we asked people, what do you know now that you didn't know then that would have changed that outcome? In Tyler's case, the answers are so simple and so tragic. He tried to dial 911. It should have been 119. The Japanese okay, so hospital was minutes away. So in, in other words, in other words um, when you travel overseas and you're going to a specific country, you need to know what the equivalent number is of 911. And how to ask for help. And shockingly, in some countries, the number is different for ambulance, fire, and police. But you need to know that. You, you do go. need to know that, yes. I think the other the other thing that we've learned through the hardest school of a parent could ever go through is that every American, before they book that airplane ticket, the travel and tourism industry is the only industry that doesn't have to give you a warning before you make a purchase. And the State Department puts out warnings and alerts and specific location alerts to help you depart smart for the world and make informed decisions. They, they specifically put a warning out when they are advising you to consider not traveling to a country at all. And you can find that information at travel.state.gov. Um, another thing you like to talk about, too, is the kinds of insurance. And this is something that I don't think people think of. Uh, tell us about that. I think that, um, that that what shocked me recently, in 2014, the Department of Commerce International Trade Association put out a report that cited 30 million Americans go abroad. Of those, about half travel alone, and it's 50-50 male and female, and 2 million of those are students. And out of all of those citizens... Nine out of 10 do not protect themselves with vaccinations or travel insurance. And the travel insurance can rip the soul out of your life. Okay. Because if and, you and, not- and this is not – I when you first told me about this, I, I thought – first of all, the vaccination thing, it really, that's kind of shocking. Uh, but when you talked about travel insurance, I thought what you were talking about is that if I'm planning uh, to go on a cruise with my family, I take out insurance in case one of us gets sick – and we can't go. That's not what you're talking about. No, that type of insurance is trip insurance. There's some soft edges around that, but trip insurance protects your purchase. So if there's a monsoon and you can't fly, you'll get your airplane ticket back. If you become ill or there's an emergency at home, you'll get your trip costs back. Travel insurance protects you. You get a 24 by 7 hotline with an interpreter, referrals to the best care nearest you, prepay. In some countries, you have to pay before you receive services. And most importantly, if you need to be medically evacuated, or in the case of my son, Tyler, we needed to bring his casket home, it can cost thirty to $300,000, 30000 to $300,000 to get you to appropriate care or home when tragedy happens. And sometimes people have to sell their homes to make that occur. But that's 
travel insurance is maybe 5%, 10% of your total trip costs, and no one should leave home without it. Right. And, I, I you know, I do think that this is, you know, extremely common. When, when you were in um, our studio uh, for the TV interview, you know, I mentioned to our, our first guest, um, Professor Larry Jacobs, I don't think he'll mind sh- saying this because he, he – you know, came right out with it, is that a few years ago he had a, you know, a student or a daughter who's college age who was in Mongolia and got dysentery. And they were just panicked because this is a remote country and they were facing all kinds of, you know, things. And the hospital care was just completely substandard compared to American standards. And they didn't have this. And it was very difficult. Thank goodness their child, you know, recovered. But it's, it's, something to think about that the standard of care is very different in these other countries and that you do need to know how to ask for it and also what the cost might be as an American. Uh, some of these uh, systems are, are you know, uh, socialized medicine. But if you're not, a, you know, a native of that country, what does that mean for the cost to you? And all of well, those in things. Some countries, some countries can refuse you care. In in Greece, you have to show proof of insurance before you're going to get care. So just because it's a socialist country doesn't mean that because you're in you're a an alien from the United States that you're going to fall under that umbrella. That's not true in every country. But that's why it's so important to to be part smart. And that's the solution we're building right now is so exciting. And I want to thank you, Esme, because of your featuring Depart Smart on your show. The Philadelphia International Airport is featuring our travel safety checklist in their safety fair on June 22nd. We oh, that's are awesome. Oh, yeah, I, I can't thank you enough. Well, I don't know. I don't know how I get credit for that. <laughs> I think I think I think you, I think your website and again, it's just departsmart.org, folks. Just, just go look at it if you're thinking of traveling because I just – I do think Cheryl, obviously, and I, I – you know, I so admire people who have to somehow deal with an unfathomable tragedy like yours and somehow put to – use that for good. And I just think people in this day and age really need to, to think about what they're doing when they travel. Which is why I'm so excited about our solution, and we're reaching out to the travel and tourism industry to share in our success. Right now, we're calling on sponsors um, in the travel insurance, ticketing, insurance, health clinics to help us build the first consumer-driven travel safety certification. In our first course, which should be available by August 1, we're going to help you build an action plan so you can get help at home. Right. And this is also for... Maybe you've got the 18-year-old or the 16-year-old or, you know, 22-year-old who's going to spend, you know, a, a semester in Beijing, you know, or, or any place. You know, and to, that, to that point, as a parent, no one told me that the, the validity rule required that I had to have a passport good for six months beyond Tyler's return. My passport was only good for three. And I was almost refused access to go get to him in the worst moment of my life. You also need a You mean because your, your passport was about to expire? You have the validity rule in many countries requires that your passport is good for six months beyond the date of return. Ooh, I've never heard that. Three months old, and that's why our work is so important. I like to tell people that I um, I choose to honor my son's life by sharing the news, so that it doesn't happen again. His story does not repeat, and it is such a reward to know that although I couldn't help Tyler, I've helped. Hundreds of people, and I hope to help millions. Okay. What would you advise people about the terror threats? Uh, and obviously, we've had terrorist incidents here in this country, but certainly they do seem to be more prevalent in Europe, 
which is obviously a very popular destination and a fabulous place to visit. Do you know what I, I would say is that, you know, if you compare London to third world countries, they get the bad guys. And they're on it, and they know where the threats are. And it's probably, you know, they're on hyper alert. What I would advise people is from the U.S. Department of State to go to travel.state.gov, read the country-specific warnings, register your trip in the Smart Traveler Enrollment Program, step.state.gov. And And that's with the State Department. Yes, and the the OSAC, Overseas Security Advisory Council, puts out a crime and safety report by country. You could search... OSAC Crime and Safety Report United Kingdom, and it will tell you what the what the terrorist threat is. Is it is it critical, high, medium, or low? There is a ten point quiz on our website. At the end of that quiz, you can download a travel safety checklist that has more than fifty touch points to help you and the ones you love. Well, what what happens, Cheryl, if if you register your trip? Let's say I'm going to go to Austria, and I register. Uh, that I, you know, with the State Department, that I am going to go to Austria. What does that, what advantage does that give me? I think it, it, there's uh, several of them. Number one, if um, I, I always register, it is a behavior that I have changed since I've become wiser. I was once in Scotland when I received an alert that Osama bin Laden was killed and not to celebrate, not to attract attention. And if I wanted to uh, get home, they would help me do that. Another time I was in Australia and they warned me that London was having riots and could they reroute me through Amsterdam. Another time. So, so you, these, were, these were text alerts. Yes. Uh, and only another, all because you signed up. Okay. All right. Right. Your your emergency contacts can follow your trip and get the same alerts. They can also alert you when something happens at home while you're okay. overseas. All right. So you well, know, this is your tax dollars at work. We should take advantage of that. Okay. And that's something separate with the State Department. But you have all this on your website, which again is departsmart.org. Um, yes. Well, listen, Cheryl, once again, just, just great information. I just think anybody who's traveling or has a loved one that's traveling really should check out your website because you're, you're the only one who seems to be doing it. And, and I uh, wanna, you know, it's true. We're the only nonprofit in the world that's testing the travel and tourism, poor travel and tourism consumer safety. And we, need, we do need support. So if you're feeling the love on the work that we do, please contribute and help us bring this course to life. All right. Well, listen, um, thank you so much, Cheryl, and take care. Yes, thank okay. you for having me. Good All right, folks, uh, we do have to take a quick break. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCCL. It is 7.55 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy with you until 9 o'clock. Well, coming up as usual, uh, the awesome Professor David Schultz. And again, so much to talk about. It's just um, talking in the break with uh, Jonathan Lowe and Kevin Reed, our studio coordinators, just about how. You feel every time you turn around these days, there's something new or somebody's having a news conference or there's some development. I mean, Kevin, I said to Kevin, hey, no, no breaking news this, this Saturday. And he goes, hey, there's still time. I guess he's right. <laughs> well, we certainly hope for calmness here on this very uh, humid and sticky Saturday night. So, folks, keep it right here. You are listening to News Radio 830. WCCO Professor David Schultz is next. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.